What's up, guys? Hope everyone's chilling. I just got back from skating, a couple hours. I feel good. Stoked. Went to the gym today. Not to lift weights. Not that I'm against lifting weights, but I just don't go to the gym to lift, lift weights. I'm always sore from skating, but I got the, the spa treatment. I have the hot tub. It's got a steam room and a sauna. The pool. Back and forth, back and forth. Hot and cold. Chilling. Uh, went skating with the homies. Can't complain. Today's episode is brought to you by All I Need Skateboards. I know you guys that listen to the podcast, you already know what's up. And for the people that are just tuning in for the first time, All I Need started with a couple of friends. We just started making boards and t-shirts and the heart of the recession. And we just decided like skateboarding is worth investing in. So we put our money into it and it's been going, man. It's been growing. It's awesome. We actually just dropped our first filmer board, guest filmer board. And it's to Dan McGrath. Dan's been with All I Need from the beginning. He filmed Rye Prosper Rides, our first video. He filmed our AIN Cali Trippin' Tour. We went to San Diego for two weeks and the whole team and Dan. And he filmed and put out six edits on the Rye channel. So sick. And he's just been down for the, the Northeast skate scene forever, man. Just out filming for as long as I can remember. Just a skate ride at heart. So we gave him a board, man. And it comes in two different shapes. We got, like, the Liquor Store Cruiser board. It's a 7-8. And, uh... And we, it's got like a shape to it, a pointed nose, and it's got a little square tail. Things gonna be so fun to romp to the, just like down the sidewalk and little scrapers and probably down some hills will be wild. We also have it in a 8.25 popsicle normal skateboard shape, and it's all from Chapman, which, so it's in USA made, and, uh, it's on allineedskate.com. You can check those out. We also just put out these beanies. We got black and millennium blue, two different colors, uh, embroidery. At the place that I work at, ESP Solutions, and we got 3,000 stitches in there. Things crispy, paid the extra money, make sure I get a good proper beanie that fits right. Really proud of those. And uh, I think we still got some windbreakers and hoodies. I'm really psyched on those. Embroideries as well. You can check it all out at allineedskate.com. Today's guest, though, is the one and only Robert Brink. I really like Rob. He was the man. I, I'm really psyched to get to talk to him. I, I've been reading him, like reading his articles that he wrote and watching them on the weekend buzz. And his Twitter, and I know you always seem like an interesting dude, and it, I've been on the Weekend Buzz before, and we got to talk a little bit, but it was rad to follow up and like really get to sit down with him and shoot the shit and make some jokes and just kind of pick his brains, and I like that he's like down to express and share himself. Well, definitely a one-of-a-kind person. I know you guys are going to enjoy it, and I thank you guys all for the support. Nothing but love. Bye. This is the Shepard Show. Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability. To make up. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. You're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it. You know? Sometimes you don't know, think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens every day. Yeah. People are worried about skateboarding and the state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the streets. Yeah, I just went to the liquor store before this, and I got a six-pack of Blue Moon Cinnamon Horchata Ale. i never seen it before. Wow. Yeah. everyone That's new. Yeah, everyone I was with didn't know what Horchata was, because we're in New England. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Horchata. 
That's definitely some southwestern shit, right? Yeah, it makes me think of Chris Ortiz. Anytime I was on a skate trip, he'd like find a horchata spot and crush him. Damn. I didn't know what that was until I came to California the first time. Like, like was chilling in Oceanside at Transworld, you know, and like had no idea what horchata was. Yeah, I'm still not even really sure. Is it rice milk? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> What's the boards on the background there? Dude, Raza Libre. Oh, sick, dude! I remember that brand. So Raza, it's a it's a butterfly series. So it's a Nate Jones, a Reese Forbes, and a who was the other dude? Oh, uh, Matt Field. Matt Field, yeah. Yeah. So and then the one that's like um, off to the far left, like this one is just a board someone painted for me with also has butterflies on it. So it's like the butterfly board wall. Oh, it's <laughs> sick, sick. Yeah, Rasa Libre, man. That that was a few years back, man. But all three of those dudes had incredible style. It's crazy. I know. I feel like that was that was a maybe after stereo was like. One of the one of the other style brands. Yeah. You know? Like the early stereo was very stylish, you know? Yeah. And then Raza Libre kind of was like another incarnation of that or something. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. absolutely. All I, all I remember is Nate Jones' backside flips and tray flips were like, that's all he needed, really, to be honest. Yeah. He was one of those dudes, like three tricks, kick flip, tray flip, backside flip. Yeah, but he just did them so good and, like, good speed and in the city, and it's like you fucking, you could eat it up every video part. <laughs> he has a guest board somewhere right now, I think. Really? One of those, sm- one of those smaller brands, um, I don't even know, man. That's... It might be, like, one of those brands, like, Killing Floor or Northern Company or, like, one of those one of those smaller brands. I don't know. Whichever brand it is, good move, because that dude... Definitely. You, if someone has that good a style, you can tell they really enjoyed skating and, and went for it. So, um, yeah. Oh, oh. There's a Florida dude, right? Really, Florida? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. He's uh, Florida. Oh, I don't know. I'm asking. Like, I, I, I associate him with that because I think the first time I ever seen him was always at Tampa contests and like hanging out down there. Yeah, I, I don't remember where from. I saw him in San Francisco, so that's where I always assumed he was from, with oh. SF area. But I could be wrong. Um, so could I. All right, let's get this officially going. Have you actually heard any of my podcasts? Yeah, um, I, I don't think I've I've done like a whole one, but I've listened to bits and pieces of of them before. I remember your old show too, where you had the the other dude with you. What's yeah. his name? Ramsey or something? Yeah, Ramsey. <laughs> yes. I miss that motherfucker. He had a kid, so like I can't get him on podcast now. Like he's his like time is divided up now and it sucks. Yeah. You don't want to be like trying to film podcasts with like babies crying in the background. <laughs> it's hard enough with like bad connections and shit. Yeah. You don't need other elements. Yeah, and that dude, I love him so much, and I, I'm so happy he has a kid, but I just, I want him to myself, so he can be <laughs> on every podcast crushing it. But anyway, so, the whole thing is, you've listened to my podcast, you know it's, this is going to be a shit show then. You're prepared. Sure. I mean, I've been running a shit show for four years now on the internet, so. I wanted I wanted to get in, that's actually where I wanted to start was the weekend. Okay. I want to start with the weekend buzz and kind of ask you where that started, where the idea came from, how it evolved, where it's at now. Okay, so I think, remember Shred or Die? Yep. It was like Tony Hawk's fucking um, skater BMX YouTube sort of thing before Ride Channel. Um, 
and and they did that's where the free lunch show started oh sick you know like free lunch that that interview series that ride channel does i love them dude i've had i actually yeah. i i was on it twice i believe but i went and watched like all of them because they're so sick yeah so they asked me to do one of those um they interviewed me and that was sort of the place where like team handsome started like i dropped team handsome on there and i was talking about like gay skaters and stuff and I think it got an, an interesting enough reaction that when Tony Hawk transitioned Shred or Die into the Ride Channel, um, Jesse Fritch was the guy behind it, like running it for Tony. Hell yeah. And Jesse was like, hey, I have this idea for a show. I think you'd be good for it. I want to do like a weekend update, like a Saturday Night Live, but for skaters or like a Tosh.0, right? Yes. And uh, so we, we started trying to do that. Um, we did a couple test episodes with like, but we wanted to do it with like a group of people, not just me. I didn't want to be the only guy because I'm, believe it or not, I'm kind of shy. I'm not good on camera. <laughs> so, um, we, t- we taped an episode with like, it was funny. It was me, Mike Sinclair, Dan Murphy, and Jesse Fritch all just like sitting in a room with the cameras running. Damn. Th- this was the very first test episode ever. Was that a shit show? Yeah, like, the, like, <laughs> If you watch the very first Weekend Buzz with uh, uh, Haslam and Rattray and, like, how bad it kind of is, the lighting and the audio, this was, like, only three episodes. We did three episodes before that that never aired, and they were way worse. There wasn't even a table. There was nothing. It was just us sitting in a dark room with chairs. But uh, we tested this roundtable format, and we were, like, watching videos and trying to, like, make funny commentary on the videos, like Tosh.0 style. But it just wasn't working. Um, it wasn't working smoothly. We yeah. did it with the Dan Murphy and Sinclair, and then we did the next week. It was like me and Jesse and Sal Barbie and Rob Welsh. Damn. Yeah, which was really fun. But again, it just didn't like work well. And then I had the idea to like bring Erica in. So for the, our third test episode, I was like, "Hey, this format's not working well. I don't want to be like a Dennis Miller talking shit. Like it's just not me." I, I feel more comfortable interviewing, and I think it would be really cool to bring in Erica and try to like create a Howard and Robin, Howard Stern and Robin Quivers dynamic with like skaters. And that test episode with Erica was Kyle Leeper and Clint Walker, Damn. sort of sort of before anyone knew who Clint was, and uh, it, it went okay. And it and then the next one was the very first episode that aired. It I just sort of took the wheel and was like, I can't do it like this, but I can do it like this. Let me see what happens. And then it just sort of evolved into what it is now, f- almost four years later. The only thing I was decent at was interviewing. So that I just sort of, that's what I did. Were you, know? were you, I mean, it's a whole different game if you're, were you inter- you're interviewing people for the skateboard mag, correct? So it's just like a... F- at the time I was, yeah. Yeah, so you're just calling people up on the phone or sitting down mm-hmm. with them and recording it? Um, rarely was I doing in-person interviews, but I was producing, um, a couple free lunch episodes at the time as well for, for Shred or Die before the Ride Channel started. Oh, so I was doing like face-to-face interviews, um, you know, setting up a little DSLR and filming it and stuff. But yeah, like they, they kind of wanted to do with me what Gary Rogers is doing really. Oh, they wanted to turn you into like just clowning everything. Kind of. Yeah. And, and I wasn't, I'm dude, I, at the time I was like 36 years old. I was like, dude, it's kind of weird for me to be making fun of like 17 year old <laughs> skaters and shit. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, it, it worked out really well because maybe six months into Weekend Buzz and the beginning and Ride Channel, um, Skateline surfaced on YouTube through Metro. Yeah. And and they actually hit up Skateline and were like, do you want to be on the Ride Channel? So they got their show that they wanted Weekend Buzz to sort of be. And in addition, we had Weekend Buzz, you know, so it was cool. Yeah, that's right how that worked out. Um, and obviously Gary's, like, and Skateline is, like, famous now. So everything worked out for everyone, I think. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Definitely the Ride Channel came up on two shows. Yeah. They're only aiming for one, so. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have lasted. Um, I'm not a zany personality, you know. I'm I'm a pretty straightforward dude. So I wouldn't have lasted being, like, hey, what's up with this and what's up with that? And look at this guy's nose and look at this guy's pants. Like, I just can't do it, you know? No, but I don't, I don't know, dude. I follow you on Twitter and you, you you have opinions, though. Like, I don't think you're clowning people, but I I think you'd make a good host in that aspect because you, you're not afraid to state an opinion and, and like, yeah. push it forward, which is rad. I think it's rare nowadays, to be honest. Yeah, I just can't not say something that's on my mind. I, I never want to... Um, single out anybody and like shame anyone in particular as an individual like that's not my thing yeah but you know there's so much corny shit out there especially with like social media now and everybody like trying to be something on social media and it, it's just like it's getting scary i'm like scared for society sometimes with like everyone's just i was at the cafe last night and like 10 tables of teenagers and 20 year olds around me are all just like snapchatting themselves and I'm, like, just having a cup of tea and a bowl of soup, and I'm, like, these are the people that are going to, like, maybe hopefully take care of me when I'm, like, 80 years old? Like, or are they going to just be taking care of themselves and, like, selfieing while I'm dying in a hospital bed? No, no, they'll walk they'll walk by you when you're on the sidewalk, and you, like, help, and they'll, like, Snapchat you and, like, keep walking or something. Can you, can you broad periscope me dying right now? <laughs> Fuck, I'm surprised that probably has happened. There's probably some shit out there. That's just, that's some yeah. 2015 stuff right there. Yeah. I know what you mean, though. Like, I don't know. It's a shift right now, though, in, like, media, I feel. Like, I've had people on my podcast that they didn't realize, like, it's not really an interview. It's just kind of a conversation. And, like, I do them long format, too. So it's, like, some are two to three, two to three hours, you know? So, yeah. People, like, I've had dudes on that, like, they don't realize it was going to be, like, just a conversation for a long time about life and whatever we comes up, you know? And they're just, like, waiting for questions and answering really short. And I'm like, dude, they don't even, like, realize that, like, they won't even say anything either because they're scared to, like, upset their sponsors or to yeah. offend someone. And I'm like, dude, just be yourself and people are going to like you or not like you. Like, no matter w if you express yourself, you're always going to have someone who doesn't like you. But you'll probably have more people that like you, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's finally coming around to to where the conversation people are starting to understand the conversational element is way more interesting yeah. than the question just checking questions off a list. But not everyone has developed that skill. The art of being a human being who can have a good conversation with another human being isn't something that um, a lot of the content creators uh, I feel in skateboarding have like mastered yet. People are so used to just like checking questions off a list and they're not they're not like, oh, so, you know, what about that time? What about that time? And like, you know, it's it's kind of scary to freestyle and to just kind of go wherever the conversation goes, because 
I, like when I first started doing podcasts, I was super nervous. I was going to say something that made me look or sound stupid, you know? And mm-hmm. then, but then after a while, you're just like, look, like I have to accept who I am. You have to like kind of self-reflect and be like, everyone says stupid things at times. Yeah. And like, we just move forward, you know, like we, we do it all yeah. day long with people we meet and conversate. I mean, I guess not everyone is. A lot of skateboarders are antisocial too, you know? So. Well, that's what happened with me. So I was doing the same as every everyone else. Like I was in New Jersey. It was 1999, and I started getting writing gigs for Transworld and Strength. And I was just I was just doing the interview thing. Like, hey, you know, the standard, most boring shit. Because the script that I learned from was reading skate mags my whole life. I didn't know. I didn't develop my own style. It's you know, it's the same way when you see a kid learning to skate and he's emulating Dylan. Yeah. And then like six years later, he's got the ability, but then he starts to come into his own style. You know, I got out to California and I started meeting people and I'd be at a bar talking to Danny Garcia and having like a three hour conversation that was really like intense. And I was like, and then it would happen with someone else at a trade show and then it would happen at someone else. And I'd be like at a contest on the sidelines and I'd be like, you know what? Like, this is what I should be doing in my interviews yeah, I shouldn't just be like, so tell me about how it felt to win the X Games. I should be like, hey, how about that time? And I feel like we got into this when you were on Weekend Buzz. Like, you know, tell me about the shit you dealt with when you were a kid. And like, you know, I lost my father. And tell me about the time you were in rehab or in therapy. Like, I have these amazing conversations with gnarly pros all the time. Yeah. And, and I, a couple years back, I decided that I'm going to try to Car- carry that over into my interviews from now on and let the other mags do the the standard skate interviews that they always do you know yeah that that format's much better there's so much more substance it's like and it's rad when people can realize they can talk about their strengths and weaknesses and it's good it takes a certain person to like be able to do that interview because you're vulnerable when you talk like that like not everyone's comfortable with that and it's rad that you took on that that approach for sure because it's way easier to do it the other way it's so easy and it's also um i don't know dude i kind of just lost my train of thought but like it's um you have to give a bit of yourself too you have to make yourself vulnerable so you don't seem like a predator just going like so tell me about that time you got arrested you know like (laughs) because if you like i started to feel in the early days of weekend buzz we were coming up with all these like dirt on people yeah and I felt almost creepy, like making people tell embarrassing stories. But then me and Erica weren't giving up anything of ourselves. And I was like, this kind of isn't fair. Like, it looks like we're it looks like we're date raping people. We're giving people <laughs> drinks and asking them <laughs> shitty questions and making them talk about shitting their pants or throwing up or like <laughs> and then and then no one like and then when the camera turns on Erica or me, we're not saying anything. And like, you know, there was a turning point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to start talking to these people i'll throw i'll throw out there that i've gotten arrested for duis or that i lost my dad or that i i'm in therapy or you know that my girlfriend caught me jerking off like like, (laughs) whatever it is i was like i need to give a bit of myself to not feel like a predator in this situation you know yeah absolutely i'm sure tony hawk appreciated you doing that (laughs) (laughs) i really enjoyed going into the ride channel and doing the um, doing the weekend buzz, and I believe there was another show I was on, but it was cool to see like Tony's legacy in like a building like three stories tall, and just all his like 
like all his achievements. Yeah, so everything under one roof, and then he's like skating all day long too. Which yeah, is crazy. <laughs> that's that's the pinnacle. It's amazing. It's so cool that he's achieved that. When I when I first started going to Ride Channel, I wasn't just doing Weekend Buzz. I was helping them with their digital marketing strategy as well. Yeah. So I, I would the very beginning, I would sit in meetings, and Tony would literally like get called off the ramp. <laughs> to a meeting and he'd be padded up like sweating in a meeting <laughs> like like we would talk to tony or they would talk to tony about his stuff first so that he could just leave and go back and skate again it was the raddest thing seeing like a 43 year old dude yeah you know, like being like a little kid and not wanting to do this corporate stuff that that you know like let me get back to the ramp. are we done am i done here can i go and then he'd just like back onto the ramp like it's, that happened a couple times, and it was so fucking cool to watch. Yeah, it's so unconventional. <laughs> fucking awesome. That's what skateboarding should be right there. I back it. Um, yeah. Let's jump. Let's jump back though. Um, yeah, yeah. You grew up in Jer- Jersey. Yeah. How, how, so I was Twenty-eight. How do you feel about New Jersey? Um, it's no longer home. That's like something that was a, like a little bit of a struggle, like the transition from blue-collar Jersey right outside of New York City, like. Italian, you know, Jersey, like fucking raw, real. Yeah. Coming to like really cush Southern California, you know, um, it was a bit of a culture shock for me. And the first couple of years, I was pretty depressed and and not really knowing if I wanted to come back home or or stick it out in California. But just just because people's like attitudes, were you just not meshing well? Because you had that mentality, that blue collar, like hard headed kind of more. That's how. Yeah, it yeah. Up. I didn't. I didn't think I was being gnarly, you know. I yeah. thought I was I was like, yeah, skateboarders like to keep it real. This is what everybody likes, you know. And then I end up at these office jobs at DC and Soltec, which were awesome. Yeah. But I realized that I'm dealing with non-skaters and I'm sending emails like calling them out for fucking not doing something on like a group email and I'm like, I'm not realizing I'm doing anything wrong. Yeah. But I'm just this Jersey guy like, yo, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just I didn't know that it'd be so laid back here, and I didn't know. People don't keep it as real as they say they do, and people don't want you to keep it real as they say you want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Like, everybody wants to keep it real until it's about them. Yeah. <laughs> That's on both coasts, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, you know, I'm back there, like, I'm back there maybe a total of like two months a year on different assorted trips and I like it, but it's not really home anymore, you know? Yeah. 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 I moved to Long Beach for two years and I got kind of comfortable there and it was cool, but I never, I never felt like it, uh, the East coast wasn't my home. Yeah. Maybe cause I wasn't, I, two years was it. And then I went home, but, um, I could see how it could happen. <laughs> no, it was funny as people told me, they're like, you have to get past the two year point. Oh, really? I was like, okay. And it was at the two-year point when I moved to Laguna, and that was, like, the game changer. I, like, lived next to the ocean. Like, Laguna's just, like, amazing. And that literally was the game changer, prevented me from going back home. Yeah. Well, I lived in Long Beach for the two years, and it was sick. Don't get me wrong. And then I moved back home, and then I brought my dudes out. We went to San Diego, and I had never really, like, stayed in San Diego. We stayed there for two two weeks, and I was like, "Uh, if I ended up here, I might have stayed in California. Because it's so beautiful, the ocean and, like, the everything in San Diego. Where were you? Downtown or, like, Encinitas area or what? Uh, I don't even even know. We were were staying with Timmy Knuth, so we drove all over 
um, San yeah. Diego. Like, but we were right on the water. It was really yeah. beautiful. So it's it was, nice down there. Yeah. Um. All right, we're gonna move forward a little bit. So you go from New Jersey. How how are you getting hooked up with writing gigs in New Jersey? Um. So I was in grad school for writing, and uh, I grew up with Tim O'Connor. Oh, sick. And that was just the. That's like my. That was like the blessing of my life. Like the, I grew up basically with Tim and Poncho. Poncho moved to Jersey, moved in with Tim. Poncho Mulder? Yeah. Oh no shit. <laughs> so like, like I met Tim maybe I met Tim right when the questionable video came out, and then a couple of years later I met Poncho, and Poncho got on, like, he didn't get on World uh, at the time. Rocco wanted to start like a Big Brother, almost like a. I don't want to say like a freak show company, but he wanted to start like a big brother brand where it was like Wee Man and Poncho and like all this craziness. <laughs> so Poncho got on like a rock. He got on Rocco, like he was getting boxes. And then he had that cover of big brother number five on the Huff ledge in the city. But anyway, it was that era when I started, I was like hanging out with those guys a lot and I knew I wasn't going to be pro or anything. So I'm like, I'm going to go to college. And as I got further into college and, declared my major in writing and so on i was like hey tim can you introduce because tim was becoming like an a-list dude at the time yeah he was like his eastern exposure part came out and he left zoo for habitat or or, or left zoo for element and then got on Hab- like he was like the dude for a while yeah. so at that point i was like hey can you introduce me to trans world dudes and he's like sure and then i was like can you introduce me to strength dudes and he introduced me to eric stricker and then i was like can you introduce me to Aaron Meza at Skateboarder? And he was like, sure. So he connected me directly with all those editors. And every single one of them was so fucking cool to me. And, like, I I just kept pitching and begging, like, I'll be at Tampa. Can I write the article? Or can I just do video reviews? Or can I do this? I was, like, buying every skate video and just trying to be the fastest guy to email them. Like, I got these five videos today because I also worked at a skate shop. So I was like, I got these five videos. Can I review them? And they're like, I did that for years in Jersey until it was like time that like it, that's what happened. Like damn, I've never heard of someone who was a um, a writer and skateboarder talk about like trying as hard as you sound like you're trying to get sponsored. <laughs> it, was, it was exactly that. I tried as hard to get published as I did to get sponsored. Like the same thing as I was making sponsor me tapes five years before that or three years before that. I was like making sponsor me tapes and then it shifted to sending pitch letters. <laughs> sick why 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 the attraction to writing was it your are your parents in it no no it was this is like so funny i started college as an environmental science major don't ask me why like i like nature and i was like <laughs> i had i had zero guidance like i just was trying to do it all myself i was like stressed on my parents at the time and i I didn't really want to go to college, and they forced me to, so I was like, fuck it, I'll just take something to do with nature. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hang out with trees all day. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, what I thought was I wanted to be, like, a, a park ranger in, like, a national park. What? Like, <laughs> that was like, your aspirations? <laughs> like, <a> bad, <laughs> like, to me, it would be really cool to just live in Yellowstone and, like, drive around and, like, fucking, I don't care if I was picking up litter or, like, doing tour guides or something. It does sound know. sick. It does sound pretty sick. So anyway, really quickly, I failed everything, dude. I failed <laughs> biology. I failed calculus. <laughs> I wasted a whole year, two semesters. And I had a, you know how you're forced to take classes. There's certain classes you have to take. I had like a, 
a required writing course, an intro to writing. And at that same time that I was failing all my math and science, this teacher was like, she's like, you do you do a lot of writing or whatever? It was the first day. She assigned us some flash flash essay. Like, you have a half hour to write an, a story. Yeah. She wrote some story about when I was a kid and I moved and I was miserable. And she pulled me aside after class and was like, you're really good. And I was like, okay, that's my new major. <laughs> I didn't. I just did it because I was good, like supposedly good at it, and I I was sick of failing, and I went to where my strength supposedly was. Yeah. I, and as time went on, my my self esteem built up from doing better, and and getting this positive reinforcement. And at that point, I was enjoying it so much that I was like, I'm gonna go to grad school and do the same thing and buy myself some time so I can figure out the career thing. Yeah. That's when everything fell into place. That's a good thing to follow. Like, it's cool that she gave you that um, positive feedback, man. That's a good teacher because that's all you need sometimes is just to hear. One person. <laughs> yeah, you just need to hear that they like it or that they see that you, that you worked on it. And then that could just, as you, as you can tell, it took you all the way to California and, and I'm sure more than that. It was one minute of my life. Yeah. It was an insane turning point in my life that she said that to me after class one day. That's sick. Were like you, she, she has no idea that were, what what she did to, for were me. Were your parents freaking out? Were they freaking out because you're like, I'm going to be a skateboarder writer? <laughs> um, a Yogi Bear? Uh, yeah, <laughs> instead of fucking uh, monitoring Old Faithful, the geyser for <laughs> behavior. Um, I would, to be honest, I was completely detached from my parents from like age 13 to like 25 because I was just like, angry at them for like moving me around and i was kind of just like fuck you I'm, i wanted to just do life myself because i was all pissed at them and trying to show them i don't need you you know yeah and like you know things just mounted even more when like they were like forcing me to go to college and forcing me to pay for it with my own money and like everything just it was like seven or eight or nine years of just like chaos you know yeah of, and me like doing everything i could to stay out of the house and not come home till they were already in bed and just lock myself in my room and then go to school. Like, so I think they were just kind of like, fuck, he's like, I don't know what they thought, man. I can only assume, like, I know they love me and stuff, but I can only assume they were probably just thinking like, we need to just let him do his thing and like let off some steam for 13 years and maybe he'll come around and like, yeah, you know, all again. You seemed like you were pretty hard-headed. <laughs> they were probably over that shit. <laughs> yeah. I went to therapy. Like, when I, I did therapy for a year a couple years ago, and my therapist was like, I have never heard of somebody holding, like, a 15-year grudge like this against their parents from when they were, like, a teenager. I was like, I was like, I don't know, dude. I didn't know what else to do, you know. I'm the same way, dude. I Like, sometimes I'll be mad for days over something. I just can't let it go. Like, I've gotten a lot better about it, but for sure, I can't let things go that easy sometimes I don't yeah i'm way better now but i'm also 40 and life's good i can't complain and it took all of that whatever you want to call it success or like a different perspective or like living by the beach or like having this cool career it took all that to get me out of that negative space you know and losing my father when i was 25 like it, it took a lot of craziness for me to be able to be like dude, I'm not mad anymore that, like, that guy rides for Monster Energy or <laughs> that fucking I'm in traffic, you know? It took a lot, but it's cool. Um, If you don't mind me asking, what 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 happened with your father? So my dad had um, esophageal cancer, but when they discovered it, um, you know, like a throat cancer of your esophagus. Okay, okay. So, so when they discovered it, it was already stage four. 
So, you know, which means like we can't operate, the clock's ticking, you know, we'll try to throw you in chemo and keep you alive as long as possible. Yeah. So, um, he was diagnosed like November 2000 and he died September 2001. His funeral was two days before 9 11. And it, and we were right out, we were 20 minutes outside of Manhattan. So it was fucking insane. It was the most insane week of my life. Like, yeah. My dad died and there's fighter jets flying over our house and New York City's like on fire and like other people we knew died like in 9-11 it's like independence day it was insane (laughs) and uh you know but his cancer like for anyone out there that even cares his cancer was basically a direct result of his diet and acid reflux and heartburn and and not eating properly and not taking care of um you know not being preventative with like the foods you're eating and the way you're eating yeah so if there's anyone out there who like gets heartburn and acid reflux and is taking like all this fucking prescription meds to like calm your heartburn down like don't even do that just adjust your diet to the point where you know you're not getting your heartburn and because that's what killed my dad like his diet killed he didn't smoke he didn't drink he he was he played softball in a league till like the year before he died he bowled he was active yeah so there's my health there's my psa my health psa no it's a good one though i mean some people uh, they never change their habits. Uh, sometimes it's your habits, for sure. Yeah. That's a good message. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us, I, I mean, like, you make mis- you just go one direction so long, and it's like, it becomes such a habit, it's so hard to break. But um, That's what brought me back to my family. What's that? My, my dad was dying. Oh, he yeah. Had, it was like two weeks before he died, and I was being like a stubborn asshole for 12 years. And finally, I was like, I need to, if I don't, tell my dad I love him and work this thing out, like, I could go insane for the rest of my life with, like, regret. And I ended up making a bunch of visits to the hospital every night and, like, writing letters to him and talking to him. And, you know, not to get all, like, super sentimental, but he was, like, asked me to write his eulogy for him, like, because he knew he was going, you know, and he's like, I want you to write my eulogy. I know you're going to fucking kill it. Like, it would mean a lot to me. And, like, so we were totally cool. Like, I was so lucky. Did he say that I had that? No, he said, I, he's like, I know you do a good job. That was what he said. He's like, I know you'll do a good job. There was no cursing in my family. We were, I was raised Catholic. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's probably really why I'm such a fucking maniac. <laughs> Everything's making sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that... I used to get, like, hit by nuns and stuff. Oh, man. Fuck. Yeah, um... One time, I, my, my father, when I was younger, he made us go to, like, um, a Christian, like... Boy Scouts, kind of. It was called the Royal Rangers, and uh, we were. Did you get molested? No, I didn't get molested. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not telling you if I did, man. <laughs> no, but, up. How we're being vulnerable here? <laughs> no, but I we were like I was a little ghetto kid, so I'm just like we were. It was at night. We had tents, and we were yelling like "fuck you" to this other tent, and we were throwing shoes across, hitting each other like the tents and shit. And they they caught us. The Royal Rangers caught us, and they they made me sit on my hand hand on the dirt. That was like my punishment. They're like, "Go sit by that tree on your hands and stay there." And I was actually in an ant pile. I mean, they didn't know that, but I I just sat on an ant pile, six hands. I was like, this is so fucked up. Karma. <laughs> Did you get molested from your <laughs> No. I've never been molested that I know of. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> but I was in Boy Scouts. No, it was all these, like, bitch nuns at my Catholic school, and they would, like, 
they would like there were times when they would like grab me by my arm and like pull me into like the line or like one time this teacher like literally grabbed grabbed my arm and like yanked me into the blackboard because I was talking during class and yeah a lot of shaming like pull you up in front of the class and like berate you for 10 minutes because you forgot to do your homework a lot of that shit yeah that's some fucking bullshit definitely Uh, couldn't handle that they're all dead now (laughs) of course they probably (laughs) killed themselves no they were all like 70 60 70 years old it was it was insane it was like being taught by people in a senior citizen's home like being taught science by a senior citizen who's lost their mind and hasn't gotten laid in 70 years or 50 years (laughs) Yeah, that always seems to happen, that cycle. It's like the people that get old, they become powerful, and as they get older, they don't want to let go of the power, and they don't want to let the young people inherit the earth, so they just, like, uh, super aggressive towards young people, and then it's just, like, such a shitty cycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and then factor that aging in with the Catholic Church. And, yeah, and they can't repressed by the book where they just make you follow all these rules on top of that. Oh, my God. I had to wear, like, a green uniform, like, a green tie and shit. Sounds for, sound, doesn't sound too bad, though. What for nine it? years. I was in there from kindergarten to eighth grade. It was a fucking a nightmare. Yeah. Wow, that's brutal, man. You survived it, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's awesome that you um were able to, like, go back to your dad before he passed away, man. Because that, yeah. that would have been a much more tragic story if you didn't. Yeah, I'm very lucky. And that's, again, that's, like, what pulled me back into my family because... I sort of like became friends with my mom. I don't think I'll, I don't know that I'll ever always feel like I feel more friends with my mom sometimes than like her son, you know? Yeah. But I think that's because we had so much time of like not really communicating. And then I came back in the mix and I'm like helping pick out coffins and like helping her around the house, like climbing on the roof and cleaning out the gutters. And suddenly I'm like the man of the house, not really her son. And it, it was this interesting time to be pulled back into my family because I became like this, the man of the house, you know, and people were leaning on me to like, you know, just to be able to like cry on my shoulder or like, and I'm like dealing with all the the family at the funeral and the wake and like, it was weird. I got pulled back in and I felt like a different, I felt like I had a different role in the family yeah. than, than the son or the kid, the young boy, you know? Yeah, it's like, but it's cool. Yeah, no, it's needed. That's, like, the definition of family is, like, you know, you could have the falling out and then your family, so you come back and you handle the business. Yeah. That's some real-life shit. I always felt a lot of pressure when I was a young kid, man. Like, my family was so broken, so I always felt, like, a lot of pressure to be responsible and, like... Weren't you looking after your mom, kind yeah, of? Yeah, man. Yeah. It was, like, I, I was, I felt like I was on my own, to be honest. It was more just because I was afraid of, like... Everyone around me was kind of negative, and even my family, they were just depressed, negative on drugs. So to me, I was like, I'm not going to touch any of that stuff, and, like, I have to be the responsible one and, like, look after this and make sure, you know? Like, that shit sucks, like, dealing with that stuff um, at that age. But uh, now it's like, now I'm, like, way prepared for for now, you know? Like, I t- for adulthood, I'm way yeah. ready. I'm ready now, you know what I mean? I, I've, I've been prepared since I was 13, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, back. Sorry, yeah. sorry to get off that. I'm just tangent a little bit, but um. No, all good. With your with your father and everything, and you taking the rollover and everything, it helped like your family, your mom, and you guys have good relation. You're back. You like, do you guys forgive each other and talk about it, or is it just you're just man of the household? It's like, well, I don't live there anymore, but I mean, like, it was 
it was sort of just out of necessity, you know. It was me, me just like doing what I felt. I felt like this was the right thing to do because of the situation. It was like my way of like making things up to my dad, kind of, and like it was almost my way of like trying to repay and step up for like being my role in like what broke things up, you know. It wasn't all my fault. But I felt like if I stepped to the plate and like did these things and helped my mom, that it was me respecting my father and like, you know, doing what I needed to do. It was sort of like a reparations for all those years of just being like a shitty, distant, detached kid, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> that happened. And me and my mom are cool now. We're like, we're, we're totally cool now, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm still in a limbo with my mom, like... I'm very open about this stuff because I know when I like went through all the bullshit, it was like I needed other people to talk about their bullshit so I could know I wasn't alone. Because when you go through like shit like they, you know, at a young age or whenever, it's like you feel so fucking alone because not many people talk about it. Yeah. You seem like an asshole if you talk, especially with your family. It's like you're you seem like the asshole, you know. So, um, yeah, it's good to have these conversations. You know, with my mom now, we go back and forth and like, you know, some days are good, some days are not just. We work it out. <laughs> yeah. I love the point now where there's nothing to fight about. You know, it's like we don't have anything to argue about. I live across the country. You know, my sister just had twins. My mom helps take care of them. Like, everything's cool, you know. Like, yeah. there's nothing. There's no drama. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, did you get to travel when you were writing for the skateboard mag? Um, I never really traveled for magazines. I That whole time I was working for Soltec. Oh, okay. And I was, you know, I doing their... I'm sorry, you, I saw you... I was doing Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was like an Etnies tour. You know, like, I would just go along on a bunch of the tours to do web content. This is in, the, like, the mid to late night, uh, 2000s, like 2000. I worked there from 2005 to 2013. Okay. So once web, web and social media content started becoming more and more important, I would be able to go on these tours because I was like the journalist and I had like a pocket cam and I had a, I had camera gear so I could shoot all this sort of like behind the scenes content for the blogs or sometimes like photos for catalogs. So there was a bunch of years where I went, I was able to go on Etnies tours and S tours and America tours, you know, and it was really fucking rad. Um, so, so usually, usually I was able to go everywhere because of Soltech and then, you know, when I was at Tampa Pro, because our riders were there, I would do like a Tampa Pro article for the skateboard mag or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then, of course, they were hitting me up monthly to do interviews and stuff. So, but yeah, I was traveling because of Soltech and that that full time job. I've always had a full time job in addition to the writing because the writing doesn't really pay the bills. Makes sense. <laughs> um, that must have been sick traveling with all three of those brands. Those are like some of the heaviest skateboarders in skateboarding at that time, for sure. Yeah, like I got really involved in Etnies right when like Malto and Mikey got on there. Tyler. Yeah. So that was a really good time of like hang out with those guys and then like Kyle Leeper and you know Eric Fletcher before he sort of disappeared because that kid was a prodigy and. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to with Sheckler, but then like going on S tours with like, you know, I became really close with Danny Garcia, you know, Mike Anderson, Bobby Warris, all those dudes. It was so fun, you know? Yeah. All those dudes are so heavy in skateboarding. It's all awesome. free travel all over the world. You know, I can't, I'm not, 
on that bond. Yeah, the video I saw was you in Barcelona skating some good good ass ledges, and it was a thunder edit they gave you for the catalog. Yeah. It was like sick backtail shove. I think I saw. <laughs> yeah, the whole premise of that was like uh, I, I had a bunch of footage that Manzuri filmed, and I showed Jim Thebud. Yeah, we're pretty tight, and he was like. He's like, this is sick. And I was like, look, man, even bloggers ride thunders. You know, like it was a joke because blogging was all hot back then. So that was like the premise of it in the catalog. It was like even bloggers ride thunders. And they get that commercial in their like digital catalog. So sick. (laughs) (laughs) Jim's the man. I got to give him a shout out because I know he listens and he's the fucking man. Jim. (laughs) Um, Have you hung out with Tim lately? Tim O'Connor? Um, when did I see Tim last? I was just in Jersey and I didn't get to see him. I think I saw him at Street League, New Jersey, maybe Ooh, a couple months ago. That was perfect. I wanted to ask you about Street League, but hold on. Let's go back sure. to Tim. Let's go back to Tim first. Yeah, yeah. Have you been on his podcast? I have not. Tim, what the fuck, Tim? I snaked you. I snaked you, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I'll have to tell him. Well, he's got some pretty heavy hitters on there. I I would imagine I'm further down the line than Dill and Strobeck and Gons and Alex Olson. I, I don't mind being waiting. <laughs> I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Tim some advice right now in podcasting. He has to put him out like on a regular regular schedule. Like you got to be consistent, man. People are waiting. Like yeah, like at least once a week. If you can't do once a week, do biweekly. Like you got to be like that's the one thing because I like his podcast. I'm I know he's got us waiting and whatever, but people get bored if you don't come like soon enough. You know what I mean? They'll move on to the next. <laughs> well, he's becoming like the the new skate. He's like the the new MC guy. Like he's hosting all these events for the border and. MCing contests and traveling, so uh, that's kind of like his new job, you know. I mean, I know he's still pro, I guess, but yeah. But that, see, it, the podcast I don't even consider like a job or anything. The podcast is like fun as fuck. Like I'm sitting here yeah. drinking beer and smoking weed, talking to someone I'm interested in. Like it's pretty. It's like a date. <laughs> yeah, man, date. I'm trying to go back to the beginning we were talking about. Um, but all right, let's get serious for a second. I, 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 what I want to ask you is about the state of skateboarding, contest, street league, like, yeah. how do you feel about the industry and just the general attitudes of kids skating these days? Like, you don't have to burn anyone, just your no, no, no. honest opinion. Um, that's such a broad question. Can you, like, narrow that down yeah, a little? Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with street league. How do you feel about massive contests and maybe not just street league, because I don't want to just, like, alienate yeah, yeah. them, but they're the ones, you know? Um. But there are other big ones. How do you feel about that That and skateboarding? Um, the minute I moved to California... Okay, if you were talking to the 17-year-old me out in New Jersey, yeah. you know, I would have been like, fuck that shit, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Cause, and I know there's like lots of people out there doing that, and I totally understand it yeah. because I was there once. However, when I moved to California... I was so stoked to be out here. Like, it was my dream, right? And I started meeting people, and they would be like, I'd be like, yo, are you going to this art show? Are you going to this trade show? And people were all, like, cool guying it. Like, nah, man, I don't go to that shit. And, like, and this was, like, 11 years ago. And I was like, how can these people be so, like, jaded? Like, like it's skateboarding. We love it, and it pays their salaries. And where I'm going with this is I, like, busted my ass and got really lucky all at the same time to be in this position I'm in. And if I can be in an arena watching 24 of the gnarliest dudes 
skate the way they skate and have my mind blown, or if I can drive a half hour and be at a uh, a damn am in Costa Mesa at the Vulcan Park. I'm going to do it because that's. I have to honor the opportunity that I've been given to have a place in this industry. Yeah. Um, it's very easy, I think, these days to be snarky and cynical and be like, oh, that guy's fucking lame because he rides for Red Bull and this contest is fucking lame because it's mainstream. And I think it's more challenging to find. It's more challenging to enjoy skateboarding than it is to hate skateboarding yeah. or hate, hate not the actual act of skateboarding, but all the stuff that's going on. Yeah. And I think what, the way I really feel about it is I, I've had the opportunity to be at every street league sitting in the front row shooting photos. Why, why would you be bummed at that? I've watched it on TV or the webcast and I can see how you would perceive it differently because you're listening to commentary and those guys have to like just say all this crazy shit to fill the airspace, yeah. you know, and it, it definitely comes off. I could see how people are getting a different idea of it while they're watching a webcast compared to I've been in the arena for almost every one of them. So when you're watching Luan skate, like he skates or a couple years ago, it was Dylan and Austin. And a couple years before that was MJ. Yeah. If, how can I be bummed that I'm watching Dylan Reader skate? I guess no, I agree 100 percent. Like, cause those dudes are amazing. They definitely got the yeah. awesomest skateboarders to be in the contest. I guess what yeah. I'm curious about is how do you feel about it? Do you think it's hurting the skateboard industry? Because maybe that's the argument or the the no. or saying like because maybe it's affecting little kids into a, having a sport mentality and it's all about points and numbers and fame. Do you feel like it does affect the skateboard culture in that way? No, because what people fail to realize is that 40 years ago, it was about points and fame. Yeah. You know, and and peacocking and Christian Asoy flying in the air, you know, with a T-shirt hanging out of his back pocket. And it's it's I think it's always sort of been the same and it has its cycles. But when it's your turn to be really involved with it and in love with it, you don't realize that you're really part of just this like. It's part of this cycle that's been going around and around and around. And if if I just think that's the easy that's the easy critique of it. I think you you have to look at it as like it's always been this way. Like there was there's always been contests and scoring and judging and there's always been mainstream money being pumped into it. You know, if you watch like old doc you know, old skateboarding or like you look through old magazines, you see like logos of major corporations around, you know. Oh, I remember there was like Milk Ads and all the Matt and Thrasher and Trent. Well, Road. I, but even back to like the seventies or whatever, like yeah. you know, Roller Derby or like Hobie. Like, there's or I'm, I don't know. I'm just throwing out names, but there was like large corporations involved, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, there was you know, and uh, I think it's always been that way. Yeah. I think it's maybe it's bigger than ever globally. It's gotten more exposure, but I don't know. How can if 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 it wasn't getting any money and everybody, you know, you got to look at it like this. Like, I don't know. There's some guys who like if they weren't getting the paychecks they were getting, or companies that weren't making the money that they're making, we might not have the the guys that are our favorite skaters. Yeah. They might not be able to travel the world. They might have to have a fucking job instead of skating and becoming as good as uh, Shane O'Neill. Yeah. And and there might not be 
there might not be a fucking awesome because there's not enough market share to sustain a company, you know, or there, there may not have been the Supreme video because no one would have had the money to pay Bill to film it, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I guess that's how I look at it these days. And maybe I sound like a dude who's just drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever, but I, I think it's harder. You're like, they're just flying me to every street league and well, I don't even have jobs. <laughs> yeah. But I, I pay my way through everything. Now. I don't even have a, I don't even have a full-time job now. Like for the last year and a half, I've been, I mean, I make a living, but I've been consulting and sort of hustling for different people. I'm not I'm not sitting at Soltech collecting a paycheck and getting free flights everywhere anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. People, I feel like the people that want to be involved in skateboarding are hustling right now. The ones that really love it and they want to stay relevant and be involved in however however they got to do it, podcasting, skateboarding, team manager, whatever the fuck it is, they're all kind of hustling to keep it going. I agree with you on for pretty much all you said. I mean, I, I just think there should be a healthy balance. So, like, when I hear people complain about skateboarding and kids' attitudes and shit, I'm like... Well, you're just not at the park, like, you're not doing skate lessons, you're not actually, like, you have to go and talk to these kids coming up and let them know it's not about points, but it's more about that feeling of, like, that back tail, or the power slide, or the phone, yeah. the crew, or the travel, or, like, all the other sides, so, like, if we're not doing that, then we're, like, skateboarders, then we're to blame, you know what I mean? If it's all points, if we let, like, contests and points take over the whole industry, then it's the real skateboarders to blame, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I... I also, like, I don't even know who these people are that, that complain and talk shit because I never hear it in real life. Yeah. I, bump into pe- yeah, I bump into people in real life and they're super cool to me. Yeah, hey, I like your show or, hey, like, are you really gay or, hey, what happened to Erica? Nobody's like, dude, you fucking suck and I hate Monster Energy Drink. and Like, like I don't hear any of this crap. You know, they're not making fun of someone's pants to me. They're not saying that some video sucked. Everyone's just cool, so... I, it sounds to me like everyone's like saving their shit talking to when they're like hiding behind a keyboard. Yeah. Oh, you weren't. I think you have the slap hat on, so it's like maybe the message. Board. <laughs> I'm on there. <laughs> yeah, and so am I. And it's it's. I only go on there when it pertains to me, and I feel like I need to explain something to someone. If someone wants to talk shit and it's valid, I'm like, yeah, you know what, whatever. And then if someone's talking shit or has a question, and I know that I can offer them some insight that would help them understand why something's the way it is. Yeah. Then I go on and do it. Yeah. But I don't address everything. I don't care if someone's bummed on me, but I will tell the real story so that they can at least be educated and then decide if they still feel the way they feel or if they decide that they're like cool with it. Yeah. I just want people to know the information and then they can decide for themselves. But yeah, perfect. That's perfect. I, I like slap because I, when I was younger, I'd talk a lot of shit. So that was <laughs> that was fun. Probably not the best thing, but very fucking fun. And then uh, I like it now because like I don't give a fuck how cynical someone is or how jaded or whatever. The fact that they're going to a skateboard message board stokes me out so much. The fact that that exists. <laughs> so you're like who are these people they care so much they care so much to argue yeah. strangers about skateboarding it's so fucking awesome i have a friend my friend jared i'm a <laughs> i love him very much but uh he cares so much but he's such an asshole and we always have these like verbal battles it's so so much fun though because he loves skateboarding as much you know and he's just passionate about his opinions yeah i love that shit i mean and i, I also think that's a way to if you're having those discussions, like I think of back in the day, like I would go pick up Tim and we'd have a two hour drive to a skate park in the winter and we'd just be like, so what do you think about that guy's part in that video? Like 
it just created more dialogue to talk about skateboarding even more. Yeah. If everyone just agreed, there'd be nothing to talk about. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Or if, if like, you know, if we both liked Mike Carroll's part the same in Questionable and nobody liked Rick Howard's part better, there'd be nothing to talk about. We'd just all agree. Like, so it's like, that's what would happen. We'd talk for hours about the fucking steezy frontside flip or the, you know, who should have had last part or, the, you know? Yeah, and, and especially with Tim, because, like, funny, I have a rule, like, with the people I hang out with, my lady, my fiancé, and all my friends, I say funny factor wins. If it's funny, if it's mean, but it's funny, if I laugh, <laughs> that wins, you know? Like, you can have an opinion if you're you're bringing value, like, humor into it. So, I mean, I, hey, yeah. Tim, Tim, yeah. Tim has a lot of opinions, but he's fucking so funny with it. It's like, you give him a pass, because it's like, it's almost for just the humor sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a thread on Slap called, uh, If You Laugh, You Lose, or something. <laughs> I don't know if it's still going, but I discovered it, like, three years ago, and it's true. Like, you go on there, and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> but one of the things I tell a lot of people, the one problem I have with all the shit-talking is that I wish people had more of a window into the, the dark side of the industry because I think a lot of the energy is misguided. Like you're talking shit on the skaters who are like, they're like, they're us, they're you and me, you know, all these crazy people in the industry doing so much shady shit and they don't really like skateboarding and there's, you're watching people get kicked off companies or treated kind of shitty. You're watching skateboarders being treated shitty. And I wish all these people who are the general public who have these opinions, had a window into seeing what goes on behind closed doors sometimes because I think their criticisms of that and their opinions on that would influence their purchasing decisions. And it would really, when you find out why so-and-so actually got kicked off a team or got, you know, so-and-so got, you know, lost his pro shoe, like if you were to find out the real reasons that, your favorite pro, like switch the company or whatever, you might, you might actually be able to affect skateboarding in a good way because you're helping eliminate a brand or a company that's kind of not respecting skateboarding the way it should be. Yeah. And I, my biggest thing that I learned over the years is I stopped being mad at skateboarders and being upset by things that skateboarders did. And I started looking at what was actually going on behind closed doors because I was there. And I was like, man, I wish kids knew this. Yeah. And then they wouldn't buy these shoes or these boards. And then that, these people who are being assholes and not respecting skateboarding would actually pay for not being cool. Yeah. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen it. You've been there. You were, you're pro, right? You're the, you're the, this is the reason why I do the podcast. Cause I just mm -hmm. said transparency is key. You know what I mean? Cause like, I mean, I've been a, people hated on me, but like, since I told my life story, I mean, it's. What do they hate on you for? Oh, trying, people... trying too hard. Like I, when I was young, oh, you're that guy. Yeah, I was <laughs> overexcited and I tried too hard because I loved skateboarding. I was happy to be out of the projects and I would like be nice to everyone. But you know what I mean? So it's like easy to tear that apart. It's so easy. I've never got that from you. Uh, I mean, I never met you and hung out with you, but watching you skate, you know, like I never thought of you as the guy that tried too hard. Like I saw you at Tampa Ams and Tampa Pros in the in the in the early 2000s or whenever you were skating. Yeah. I never yeah. thought of you as the try too hard guy. Well, that's dope. That makes me feel good. But I mean, the criticism I hear is like this dude tries too hard, whatever, whatever. It's you know what I mean? Like I get it. It's easy to make fun of. What do people uh, say about me? 
Um, I think you nailed it. You said, like, is he gay? I, I kind of question that a little bit. But I don't care about gay people. Like, I don't mind people being gay. My uncle was gay. I was named after a great gay person. Like, he was fucking awesome. Is that the only thing? People just think I'm gay? Um, that one, I don't know. But, I mean, you seem pretty confident. Maybe that's why. Like, <laughs> you know, if you are, like, overly confident and secure with themselves, they come off a little, like... Like confident, I don't know, a little gay. If that's the only. If that's the only thing people have to say about me, then I'm okay with that. That's the only thing I could think of. Let me. Um... I've been getting that my whole life since like fourth grade. Really? That's wow. why I'm so confident about it. Because, well, first off, I'll say that I'm not gay. If I was, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Secondly, I used to get picked on for being. People thought I was gay. So imagine in the '80s in grade school, people are calling me fag and queer and all this stuff. I, I had no explanation as to why. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not a macho dude that's, like, sitting around watching a Super Bowl drinking a Coors Light. Uh, you're, not, a, you're not overly flamboyant either. <laughs> or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh. So there was a point, I think, maybe in high school where all of a sudden I just was like, you know what? Instead of, like, being sad about it and being upset and offended, I should just, like, own it and, like, joke about it and empower myself with it. Yep. And it's funny because it's followed me my whole life. And, of course, I move across the country to a whole world of people who are, don't know me. And <laughs> the same thing happened. Like, everyone, <laughs> half the people I meet of a whole new circle of friends, a whole new industry, everyone thinks I'm gay or half the people think uh, I'm gay. Wait, how's your handshake? Is it firm or what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> I actually that stroke, I don't know. I stroke the wrist when I do it. Because <laughs> you don't know, so, the only way to the only way to get people comfortable with something different I find is exposure and humor. So the only way to make people like get used to this whole gay thing even though I'm not gay, but hopefully I can help them get used to like other people they're going to meet down the line who are gay so they're not weirded out by it is to just make it not seem taboo and make it not seem like insulting. If I act insulted that someone's calling me gay, that means like gay's bad. Yeah. So I just like ran with it and, and I've spoken to gay friends and I'm like, Hey man, like, am I taking this to a point where I'm like being disrespectful to the gay community? I'm not trying to pretend I'm gay. I'm just trying to make it like if I'm gay, so what? Yeah. And I've spoken to people and they, they were like, no. Teasing some gay people though. They might be sitting there going, damn, I, is Rob gay? Like a gay man? I, <laughs> I had two incidents in my life where gay friends like sort of came to me and were like, I really like you. Wow, are you lying? No, no, no. Two and people? Was, two different yeah, people? Yeah, one one was when I was like 13 or 14. Oh, shit. Yeah, and and I was completely thrown for a loop on that one because like I had a girlfriend and like, like talk about people thinking I'm gay. There was gay dudes who thought I was probably closeted gay. You you must be so gay because gay people thought you were gay. Like you're the... <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. I don't think you are at all. Honestly, I, I mean... I think I thought it just because I read it somewhere and I was like, I wonder if he's gay. Like, I, don't, I could give two shits either way, but it's just cool to know the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember, like, this is actually a crazy story that happened to me. I had a friend. I was 13 or 14. I was a freshman, but I hung out with these skater kids who were older in high school. And this one dude had some serious, like, depression, and he tried to kill himself. And he was in the hospital, and he had, like, a, a window every Saturday, Sunday where he could make phone calls. Yeah. So for like a couple months in the hospital, the real hospital, and then in the mental hospital, he would call me on Sundays and I would talk to him. And I was just trying to be nice because I wasn't that close to him and I was weirded out by the whole situation. Yeah. And then the, it 
it ended up being our last phone call ever. But he said to me, he's like, hey, I've been wanting to tell you something. And I was like, I remember I was just sitting watching TV on a Sunday morning. And he's like, he's like, I'm gay and I really like you a lot. Wow. I, this is the second I, one? What? This is the second time? No, this is the first time. I was 13, 14. Wow. And I was like, his name was Mark. And I was like, damn, like, I was like, Mark, that's like, like, he's like, are you mad? He, it was crazy. This is like 1989, dude. So it's not like as open as it is now. Yeah. And he, and this is obviously probably part of what, what was so painful for his life is he was this like closeted gay dude in high school. But yeah, he was like, you know, are you mad? Are you still my friend? And I was like, yeah, dude, I don't even care. Like, I just, you know, I'm just not gay. Like, I have a girlfriend and like, you know what I mean? Like, but he, I think he thought I was gay. Like, <laughs> even though I had a girlfriend. All right. The only thing I can compare to this gay thing is that since I'm like, when I was younger, I've always had like a receding hairline because I don't know, yeah, yeah. father had it and like it's genetics. Um, dude, everywhere I go, plus my face, um, I swear to God, 30 to 40 year old women everywhere I go, they tell me I look like Nicolas Cage, like to the point where like I know it's true because I've had so many strangers think it's a compliment to tell me I look like Nicolas Cage. That is a compliment. Whenever a chick tells you you look like a celebrity, that's a compliment. But even Nick Cage, I mean, he's dude, like, all those chicks would fuck Nick Cage. <laughs> yes, but but just to tie it to your story, the truth is, I know it's true. I'm not Nick Cage, but <laughs> I know I look like Nick Cage because random strangers tell me <laughs> it happens so much. It's a common denominator. And they don't know me, like you said, that you moved to a whole other con the whole other side of the country where no one knew you, but you still came off like a gay man. It's so Do you know how many like I've like dated so many women who are like, when I first met you, I thought you were gay. What? Like like after I date a girl or like hook up with her, it, it, I'm just used to it, dude. And if people want to make it like the Could joke be. about me, the running industry joke, like, I'm all for it because, like, I want people to just have fun, you know? Yeah, it could be worse. They could tell you you look like Nicolas Cage and then you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I always get, um, Carson Daly. What's that? I always get Carson Daly. I look like Carson Daly. Uh, I could see that. I could see that a little bit. Do you, uh, actually, um, switching mode. Sorry, off. Yeah. That was amazing. All good. That was amazing, but, well, um, do you listen to podcasts? Not really. I don't. I don't, I listen to Howard Stern and I listen to music. I don't really watch television. Yeah. I don't, I don't devote a lot of time to, um, uh, like what it, entertainment. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, I listen to Howard Stern because that's like my idol and like everything I've, everything I've learned about interviewing, I've learned from listening to Howard Stern. You know what I mean? Yeah. Freedom and, of speech. Uh, I'm in for sure. And just the way he communicates and the way he's, genuinely uh the way he can interview this his the craft of interviewing that he's developed that skill is incredible and that's really important to me like he's someone that's very important to me well don't don't write off podcasts just yet because no, no. all right cool because <laughs> i think it's like such a powerful tool like like i listen to podcasts all day because i'm I, i'm into all these different things much like i'm sure you are i'm into like science and philosophy and like comedy and all these other genres and the podcast is like our freedom of speech right now like literally yeah, yeah. i just have a microphone i'm recording on my mac you know what i mean yeah. i have all these connections i can talk to people and we can communicate and there's people that are working jobs they hate right now and this is like passing their time or they have a long commute 
and they're listening and people communicate and talk about their heart, their story, their like everything. And yeah. they get it. Like my my idea is like if I can because I work a nine to five right now at a screen printing and embroidery place, and uh, it's pretty awesome. They ha- I house all my skateboard stuff there. All I need my skate brand. I house yeah. it all there. I do all my shipping Monday through Friday. It's awesome. I got racks of skateboards and all my apparel, and they just let me do that, and I work there. And uh, but so I'm sitting there working this job. It's not a job I love, you know, and it's not gonna be my final job. But I'm listening to, like comedians laughing while I'm doing work. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, well, that's Howard Stern. I'm just from a generation before you, and yeah. Howard Stern was. I mean, a podcast is radio, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. to a degree. So I grew up working a night job in a bagel shop. And in the mornings, I would be completely exhausted from working from midnight to 6 a.m. And then Howard Stern would come on, and I'd start delivering the bagels after I baked the bagels. And I'm laughing, and it's keeping me awake. And 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 not to sound corny, but like that that Howard Stern sort of changed an element of my life, you know? Yeah. Look at my job now. I have a talk show, and like. And like, yeah, I get it. People, people have even said that to me about Weekend Buzz. Like every Friday morning at work, I like open up a tab on my computer and I listen to that while I work, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's sick, you know? Way rad. So, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's like awesome that you have a show or that you'll listen to a show and then you just, it just passes some shitty time. Yeah. It makes, or it makes your commute or whatever better. And that's awesome. And that's like, I think, you know, that's what Howard Stern did for me and still does for me. Yeah, 100%. I think the difference in between radio and podcasting is podcast is way more attainable for you to build up your own audience, you know, like, and it's more affordable than, like, a radio spot, like, you have to have sponsors and shit. Like, with a podcast, you just, it's like paying for a cup of coffee, you know, like, if you don't have, if you're not drinking coffee or whatever. You yeah, you definitely have to earn, you have to build a career to have a radio show, and with podcasting, you can self-publish, for, yeah. for lack of a better term. And you can go grassroots and like hopefully build it, you know. Yeah, if it's something that you're if you're in love with it, if you're in love with communicating and interviewing and all that stuff or whatever you're talking about, like there's so many different podcasts and so many different genres. Like, like people that are into anything and passionate about anything, they should just start a podcast and talk about it. Because like you never know if it's something you enjoy, you can keep investing yeah. in it and go with it. I just like freedom of speech and communication, and it helps us. Pro- I feel like it helps us progress like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know? It's it's a uh, it's a good thing because every guest I have on, I'm like, you should do a podcast. <laughs> People tell me that all the time. Good, and good. I want to keep like, I that's a compliment. I know that that's a compliment. And uh, my whole thing is like, there's a lot of that happening right now, and there's nothing wrong with it. This is not an insult to anyone. I just like to sit back and watch for a minute and find where my place would be, rather than just jump into the pool right away. That's a chill. And, uh, that's a and I like to go to, about it. I like to see what everyone's doing. I like to see where I think people are missing opportunities or making mistakes. And I like to see where I can come in and be different and make a difference. And then, and then that's when I do my thing, you yeah. know, that's a rad approach. That's a really rad. Approach. I did that with Greg hunt recently. Um, you know, when propeller came out, yep. everybody interviewed Greg hunt. He did his like media tour for the video and, I sort of purposely waited. I don't know. I'm not saying this makes me cool. Maybe this made it lame. Maybe but everyone already read 10 Greg Hunt interviews, and by the time mine came out, it was over. But <laughs> I waited to interview Greg until it was over because I wanted to talk to Greg about what everyone said about his video. 
Oh, sick. So <laughs> no, one else, no one else had an interview talking to Greg about about the response to the video. It yeah. was all like about filming the video and, you know, and I was like, all right, let's talk about what people said about the video. And I ended up doing that interview for the hundreds and I thought it came out really rad. I don't care how many people read it. I care that it's a piece I'm happy with and it's different than the 13 other interviews on every other blog out there. Yeah. They all interviewed him like before they saw the video or like the week they saw the video, you know? Yeah, that's so sick. It's a good approach. It's good to get his feelings on things instead of just... Because you do the same interview ten times and you're just kind of reciting the same shit, you know? <laughs> it's the only way to make it different at that point. When you know everyone's going to talk to one dude, you know? Like, everyone's going to talk to Kyle Camarillo this week about LRG or everyone's going to talk to Danny Way about breaking the world record. Like, you have to find an angle that's different. You have to find your line, like... It's like at a skate park or something, you know. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, oh, back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like that approach that you said about trying to sit back and look and see where you fit in. I was kind of a little different about it. Mine was like out of necessity. I feel like I just need, I just need to talk. It's like really therapeutic for me to talk. And uh, the podcast just came came about because of that need to like get out. It's like therapy for sure. Yeah. We don't have enough conversations in our daily life, especially if you're working and then like you come home, you're exhausted. It's like you don't make time to you, like you said, people watch yeah. TV or they just like entertainment overload and like you see it on the phones. It makes me it's like I've been trying to put my phone away as much as I can. It's so yeah, addictive, man. <laughs> Fucking crazy. I'm about to delete my I feel like I'm ready to like delete my Twitter. I don't even have Snapchat on my phone. Like, I, I delete the apps, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's too much. There's too <laughs> many. Yeah, I feel like I was thinking about this knowing we were going to talk. I feel like I might be wrong here, but you were the first skate podcast I remember being a skate podcast. I believe like this, so. This style of talking especially, and it's. I think you're the OG of that one. And I remember when it started, I was like, dude, isn't this guy a pro skater? Like, doesn't he? How does he have time? Like, what's he doing? And then... As time went on, I was, you know, it's that that sort of um, philosophy of like longevity confirms ability. Like, if you're able to stick around, you're doing a podcast now. When did you start? You started around the time I started Weekend Buzz, right? Yeah, man, it was a long time ago. <laughs> like four years. Yep. You had a little show before that where you were like cracking beers with Mike Franklin. What was it called? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was like six something with a six pack. Six pack with Shetler or something. That was yeah, yeah. fun. That was like so rude. Like it was just but it would need that's where you scratch the surface. I was like I got Yeah, but it scratch. led into what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in love, I'm yeah. love with, the podcast is a is a blessing in disguise, especially having a small brand. It's like I don't know. I think authenticity and like transparency is rad when you're trying to get people to buy something you know what I mean? Like, if you're like, look, we're creating cool stuff in skateboarding. Here's our product. Like, we're putting the money back into skateboarding. Like, the authenticity of that is like, you know, you can't you can't fake it. So I don't know. The podcast is a perfect platform for that, and it's rad therapy for me just to talk to people and meet people. I feel like I keep growing. Like, just this conversation tonight, the <laughs> the gay, the gay stuff. <laughs> I just made my month. Like I'm gonna laugh. I'll talk all night about that. <laughs> I will. I would never say. I've learned never to say never anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point I end up doing a podcast. For now, what I do really enjoy, I really enjoy the act of having a 90 minute phone conversation with somebody, and then editing that down into a really amazing, concise, 
paste, you know, 2,000 words. Yeah. Where someone can read that and get, and it still seems like a conversation, but it, you're getting all this information in a five minute read, you know, and you don't have to, cause it's a lot to ask somebody to sit through even a 15 minute weekend buzz, much less a 90 minute podcast, you know? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I respect people's time and I, I don't expect anyone. I'm shocked that weekend buzz still exists. I'm shocked that it, people watch, you know, it's awesome, you know? So, but I do enjoy the act of editing down an article. Yeah. The word, like I'm a writer. I'm still always going to be a writer, you know? And so I'm, I'm like super into, um, NPR has a podcast and, um, there's a couple where they edit it real precise, like you're saying, and it's it's very clean and very perfect, and like I really envy their skill, you know, like they make it a it takes a lot of time to do that too. Yeah, it takes a lot. It's rad because you probably indulge in it a little longer. Like I record these and have a great time, and then I put the intro, I record an intro after, and then I add it, so I get to play with it a little bit. But like, it must be really rad to really make it exactly what you want. Editing editing is so important. I mean, like you know what I mean. Like obviously, like stay gold wouldn't be stay gold if it wasn't edited properly. You know what I mean? Like, so editing is really important. It, it's sort of like an art form in itself, you know? Yeah. But what, you know, what's funny about all you podcasters is you love talking about podcasting. Oh, it's so much. <laughs> Everyone's like, let's talk about podcasts. Do you podcast? Do you listen to podcasts? I get sick of the word podcast after a while. Cause I just hear it over and over and over and over. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, the thing I like about the podcast, and the, especially the long format, is that it's like the. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you laughed. It was appropriate. You got it. Um, but uh, the thing is, the long format, like without the editing, is like that's that authenticity too. You know, like there's like two. They're both awesome. You know, like the. Yeah. The spectrum, because I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, and he. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, fucking, I can't say the podcast, word. Podcast, 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 podcast. Skatecast or something. But, um, uh, his is super, like, three hours long. He has a deep, intimate conversation about whatever the fuck it is. And, uh, it's amazing because you can really tell someone's character after, like, we're, we're at 73 minutes right now. And it's like, Shit. it takes a lot of character to go this long and talk. And <laughs> no, I can talk forever. All right. Well, then we're going to move on. We're going to move forward. All right. I'm a shy dude, like, in public social situations, but when I'm comfortable and, like, one-on-one, I can communicate forever. Are you, why are you, why are you shy in public? I'm going to ask because I know why I am. Like, around, out in public and stuff, is it just, like, people take advantage? I think people take advantage when you're open and too nice sometimes. <laughs> no, I, I think it goes back all the way to my childhood of, like, being sort of bullied and picked on. Like, I don't, I'm just wary. I don't think people are bad, but... I just I just keep to myself because it lessens the potential for like negativity or drama. Maybe it's like the same thing as saying like I don't like to let a lot of people in. Yeah. Cuz I've just been burned a lot even as an adult. Yeah. And I'd rather again, like I'd rather sit back and wait and let a real relationship with a friend develop organically yeah. than go hang out at whatever fucking bar in LA and be like a social butterfly drinking PBR and like listening to the Smiths and doing all the cool things you're supposed to do to like fit in, you know? Yeah. I did that when I first moved to California and it, it just wasn't for me. I found like I was getting like burned by a lot of people or I'd be like talking to some chick and then some dude who I was friends with would like talk to the same chick and I'd be like, dude, I thought you were my friend. Like in, all this stupid shit happens. In fairness, he might've thought you were gay. In yeah, true. 
<laughs> I was talking to her about shopping, not, not asking her for her number. <laughs> I dealt with that too. Like when you're you're in the Mecca of California, that's why it's like the whole industry. When I lived out there too, and I was younger, I felt like the weird pressure to go party or be in certain places. You're like, because that's where everyone is, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I felt I'll, like it was inviting more opportunity into my life. It was like opportunity for negativity, not because of the drinking, not because I'm against drinking or partying, but because there's so there's so much room for stuff to go wrong and yeah. like you know you know I would like go to some ASR party and I'd show up at the office at Edney's the next Monday and like I'd find out the whole like art department was talking shit on like my date you know what I mean yeah. and I'd be like dude fuck these people you know what I mean like like I, they're supposed to be my friends and my coworkers and there and there's a rumor that I like brought a prostitute to the fucking Christmas party you know what I mean like <laughs> like don't know you. <laughs> It was a blonde girl with fake tits, and, like, you know, people are talking shit on me. I'm like, dude, fuck these people. So, like, I know you're not supposed to care about that stuff, but I'm the type of dude that's going to be like, hey, I heard you were talking shit on me. Like, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. And I'll do that in an office setting, which is not good. So I just started avoiding it. Like, the same dude who's talking shit on me is emailing me for ad copy. Yeah. Like, do I want to cooperate with him and write his caption for his skate ad after I found out he just talked shit on me? Yeah. So, so I, I sort of, after a couple of years, I withdrew from a lot of that social stuff because I didn't want to have to tell people to go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's you good. Know? You don't want to do business with people that, it's hard to do business with people that fucking you can't trust or you can't like or they talk shit. It's fucking shit. So over the years, you know, I go to a video premiere with my boy Josh Freeberg or I go to Agenda and I hang out with Jim Thebud after it's over and I have like a small tight circle of friends and I spend a lot of time with them, you know, Danny Garcia or my friend Scott works for Dekine. Like I have these really close friends and it's cool. And I socialize and I like everybody, but I'm just trying to limit the potential to get into some drama or have negative feelings. Cause I don't want to be bummed on anybody. Yeah, not, not in skateboarding. Like it's stupid. Yeah, know? definitely. That I 100% agree. But um, I can't get this off my mind. It's a important detail of the story. <laughs> what size was their fake breasts? Oh, I mean, probably. God, there's so many these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the particular one you brought. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna guess. Um, She's probably a 34 double D because at the time every girl with fake tits had double D's. Like they all got double D's. Damn, and you brought that? Yeah, of course. You gotta bring like a hot fucking girl that people are gonna talk about. Yeah, that's fucking good for you. Good for yeah. You. <laughs> Don't show up with the fucking girl you're dating from the fucking PR department. Hot <laughs> chick. Like you don't. You got no life. You gotta date your coworkers. You can't find another girl outside your office. You know. Yeah. But you gotta bring like a fucking. You know, you gotta bring like a, a sick ass girl. Yeah. Smoke show. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, that's no disrespect to women. Like, I don't mean like they should just be like these trophies, but like, you know, I was like seeing this girl and I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally bring her to like a skate thing. I'm going to bring her to the Christmas party, you know? Yeah. What's and like, that? everybody's talking about her tits. Um, as long as you look good too, that's what it is. She's not a trophy if you're trying to look just as good. That's the thing, you know? I back yeah. it. Um, all right, moving forward. More, moving. Yeah. I got more to talk about. Um, already been done. Oh my god, I missed that. What do you mean you missed that? The magazine? Yeah. 
Yeah, that was a fun little project. Yeah, that thing, I was looking at the website, though. It's still up and going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we left it there. We didn't take it down. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I was but, checking it out today. I mean, I've seen it I've seen it when it was coming out, all the articles and stuff. <laughs> but I was looking at it today, and I was still like, damn, there's a lot of good content on here. I was reading through it. It's sick. Yeah, um, that was me and Josh Friedberg. So Josh, um, he was the founder of Forum One. Yeah, Josh he, he is a man. He was he rode for New Deal, but I think he was pro for like someone else after that. Um, it's like a smaller company called People or something, or maybe Human. I forget. But um, he won some like Nikon contest, and like it was because all the skaters voted for him. The barracks posted something. And he promised that he was like, dude, if I win, I'm going to use the money to try to bring back 411. And then he actually ended up winning. And I, I wasn't so tight with him at the time, but when he won, I hit him up and I was like, dude, let me help you bring back 411, like a new version of it. Yes. And we sort of came up with ABD. Like we were like, let's do a digital only mobile ready magazine. This was in 2010. And I got, you know, my friend Stoya, who's like an adult film star. I wanted to make her like the new Rosa. Sick. And then we, I got Dave Carney to write some stuff. And like we got a part from like, I don't know. It was really rad. The, the stuff that Dave Carney wrote for that magazine is some of my favorite stuff ever. Yeah. Still. yeah and was, that, we did it for a year. That's we, what we, I read today. I went and checked out a Dave <laughs> uh, one today. <laughs> so. Yeah, and not to be a dick, but like if you read that content, that's the content that people are doing now in a way shorter form. Like at the time, it was really just the magazines doing interviews or tour articles. Yeah. We were doing this magazine and we were like, well, Spanky just got set on fire. Let's call him and talk to him. You know? <laughs> and we were like, you know, uh, Heath Kirchhardt delivers pizza for Salman Agal. Let's like make a story out of it. It was, yeah, that's sick. it was like long form TMZ. We didn't want it to be like, like, like junk show clickbait. Yeah. That didn't exist at the time, but we were like, let's do what the magazines aren't doing because they're on this monthly schedule. Yeah. Like, I interviewed the guy, the My Fucking Bush guy. Do you remember that? My Fucking Bush? No. Yeah, like, the the guy caught on camera some dude freaking out about skating a gap and, like, ruining his bushes. Oh, I did catch that. I did see that. Yeah, like, that was one of the first pieces I did because it was, like, this crazy current event. Now, nowadays, something goes viral on Instagram, and it's, like, a second clip. Yeah. It's like the same concept, you know? Yeah, it just moves way faster now. We did it for a year. We funded it ourselves. We couldn't get any brands to advertise because it was we were just too early. It was a mistake in a sense that we were too early. You know. I just went up to it today and I wouldn't have I don't I wouldn't have known. I looked at it I did look at the dates, I was like, I wonder when these but there's still current current content up there. It's fucking still really good. Yeah, we had an advice show with Fabian Alomar. Yes, I remember. I remember. <laughs> Frank Hertz. That's a genius idea. That yeah. was you. That was you. Okay. <laughs> you know who came up with that was um, Animal Chan, this guy Paul Chan. He, oh, I think he has a podcast too. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, but do you know the name of his? No. Oh, I'm going to have to search. Okay. <laughs> his name's Paul Chan. He goes by Animal Chan. He did Lurker Vision for Skateboard, Skateboard Mag for oh, a long sick. time. I so get he, he came up with Frank Hertz and like did it for us for free for a year. It was awesome. Yeah, that was so cool, dude. And Fabian's amazing in it. <laughs> um, Everyone who contributed to that did it for the love. That's for it. Year. It was so rad. Yeah, that's it. I miss it a lot. That was the most fun project. Apart from maybe Weekend Buzz, that was the most fun project I've ever done. Actually, let's let's transfer on to Weekend Buzz real okay. quick. Um, who's the last guest you had on? 
Um, we had Lizzie Armanto and Alicia Bergato. We did a girls episode uh, last week. Sick. Are the, you know who's on tomorrow, though? Who's that? Uh, Danny Way and Alfonso Rawls. Damn, everybody skates? Yeah, yes. and I, I've got a stack of fucking Danny Way cover magazines right here doing my research. Not that anyone's going to look at this, but all the fucking oh, covers. Oh, you just have all the covers? Got to read all his interviews, Don't you know? Don't the helicopter? That was the first yeah. issue of the Skateboard Mag, right? Um, yeah. It yeah. Was, uh, of him, this one. Yeah. It's like him doing the, the Rainbow Rail. I guess this is a perfect time to ask you about, like, skateboarding and media and the direction, because you're holding up the magazines, and, like, how do you feel about, like, where it's going, or, like, I don't know, where, what do you think's going on in skating with the media side of things? Um... Because there's podcasts now, there's fucking podcast. videos, YouTube channels, podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> there's like <More> podcasts. <laughs> um, no, but you know what I mean? Like the media is so fractal now. It's not like back in the day, it was just magazines and then you had to wait yeah, for videos video. to come out. What, what do you think is going on now? Um, like I was saying earlier, I still really enjoy per- personally like putting an article together. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I have a show, a talk show too, so I'm very fortunate I get to do both, you know? Yeah. And I think... That fulfills my desire for sort of both mediums, like the video broadcasting version and then the print style version, you know? Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I actually have adopted the philosophy that I don't care what the medium is. Yeah. If you can tell a good story or do a good interview or whatever it is, like who gives a fuck if it's on your phone, in an app, on Instagram, uh, you know, on a podcast... Yeah, uh, and uh, like I think people should just figure out what medium works best for what they're doing, or figure out how to maximize a certain medium, th- instead of worrying about if print's dead, if podcasts are lame, if 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 Instagram's whack. Like, I I think you should figure out a way to kill it on one. Yeah, and yeah. just tell your story. Like, it, look at uh, Jenkum. Yeah, right. They're like a print website. And they're doing compelling articles and they're doing pieces that people like. So people still go and read it. Like, it, it's not that print's dead. It's just print's on a computer screen now, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe paper magazines are thinning and dying, but who cares? I don't know. Who cares? I don't care if I read a magazine. If I read a sick interview in Thrasher or I read it on Thrasher.com or I read it on Gencom, like, what do I care? Yeah, the substance of the content is what really matters. Do I really care where I'm eating a slice of pizza? Like, if I'm eating it at the park or in my living room or in a pizzeria? It's like, still fucking cares? pizza. <laughs> yeah, and it's hopefully it's good pizza. <laughs> I, I, people make big deals out of the stupidest shit. <laughs> well, Why do you care? You know, I'm not saying you, but like... Well, no, I just asked because I wonder for little kids, like, trying to be sponsored and all that stuff. Like, when I was young, it was like, there was a clear map. It was like, if you... You know, they kind of told you, like, how to do it, you know? Nowadays, for kids coming up, it's just, like, it's crazy. I can't even imagine being a kid thinking they're going to want to be a pro skateboarder, you know? So I wonder, like, I I think we summed it up, you know? It's like, But isn't it sick how, like, you're killing the podcast game and Andy Schrock is killing the YouTube game and, you know, Jenkum or someone's killing the the website blog game and Thrasher's killing the magazine game. You know what I mean? Like... Way sick. And then, and then Beeble and Guy Mariano are killing the Instagram game. Like, they all, everybody found a medium that works best for them, and they're excelling in it. And if you try to do all of it, 
you're just going to suffer. Like you can't be a jack of all trades. You have to like master one of them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know what it is? It's that it's like it's weird that skaters have to take on the responsibility of self-promotion. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, man. Well, because back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was like the companies promoted you and the magazines they wanted. Now we kind of have more control over, which I like it. I think I'd rather promote myself and share what we're doing, you know, than have a company do it for me. Like I wrote for New York and it was tight and shit, but it was like. I took on their image as a skateboarder, you know, unless I went out of my way to do interviews and, like, mm-hmm. talk about my life or something, you know? So, like, now it just seems like skateboarders naturally just have to know how to, like, promote themselves or their story, you know? I think it's rad because going back to what we said earlier about, like, dark men yeah. and, like, shady companies, there's a lot of companies right now who their riders are way bigger than them. Yeah. And they need their riders more than their riders need them. Yeah. And um there it's like a checks and balances or like a shifting of power and I think it's really rad that like um the pros are so powerful now, you yeah, know, like it's rad, like right? like Paul started a brand through social media basically. Paul started primitive skateboarding through social media, you know, and and you know it's like it seems like maybe Shane O'Neill's doing something and like all these people are doing stuff and it's like rad, you know. Yeah. And like everyone's, you know, you started your brand like you didn't have a ton of like ad rev- like budgets for ads and like social media all day. <laughs> yeah, and I I like it because I think I think it balances out the power a little bit. Yeah. I think the pros are doing a lot of work and they're destroying their bodies and I've seen pros get shit on by companies that make millions and millions of dollars off of their names and I and I like seeing that balance, you know. Yeah, that's really rad. I think that's like a micro of what's going on in the world as well, you know? Like, for sure, 100%, you know? The shift to the people, you know? The the authenticity of things. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I always say, like, humans are the new currency, and that sounds bad. But I I just mean, like, you should value, like, human feelings and emotions and and qualities. Those are worth more than money, you know? And, like, we tried the money route, so it's like... Let's invest in like people that are empathetic or understanding or compassion and like all that stuff. Like, or talented. Or talent, yeah. Or skilled. like creative, like not just someone who kisses the CEO's ass. No, no, no. Like, yeah. Climbs to the top of the company, but the dude who's like making the sick videos or like finding the sick riders or you know what I mean, like yeah, yeah. or the dudes who are skating, you know, like I don't know. I think it's rad. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. All these fucking dudes, man, that like dedicated their lives to skateboarding, like. I don't care, like, you know, Dennis Buznitz or Beeble, they should make millions of dollars, in my opinion, yeah. you know? Like, Hell yeah. It's like whatever salary they're getting from whatever, you know, like, they deserve more, in my opinion. Yeah. And if it, they can get it, then get it. It's because, like, uh, skateboarding is still so small. It's not like basketball or football or all those, like, we- those sports. It's so small. It's like the people that are investing their lives into it, they're actually pushing it forward and, like, literally like growing the industry you know so look at all the dudes from those others like i don't want to call skateboarding sport it's not by any means but in sports at least they pay the people you know what i mean like football basketball like the smallest salary you know maybe it's because they work together i don't know and they all wear uniforms i don't know maybe (laughs) but I, i i don't think so but but i don't know i agree i love skateboarding as much as i love basketball it's how my life just as much you know so 
for me, my the dudes that I look up to growing up skating, I would it'd be amazing if they were like at least had a good amount of money to like not yeah. struggle. Dudes literally in skateboarding, like the majority don't make money. It's like the top one percent that has to win a contest makes the money. You know what I mean? There's dudes like putting themselves in the hospital so that some white collar dude in an office can make like three hundred thousand dollars a year. It's fucked up. <laughs> and that guy is like going like I don't know, he's been injured like six months, he's not really doing anything, like maybe it's time to cut his salary. Like that's the fucked up shit that yeah. goes on. You know? And meanwhile dude's in the hospital and his career is like you know, could be insanely negatively impacted. Tell him to and, start tell him to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From their hospital bed. <laughs> I don't know. I think the more skateboarders like that, I agree though. It doesn't have to be a podcast, but any type of expression by skateboarders, any co- contribution to skateboarding, whether it's media or your actual skating or building a skateboard scene or a skate shop, or yeah. if you really love it, build it into your life and keep it there, and then pass it on to the next kids too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll ha- it'll keep growing. And I don't yeah. think we have to wear uniforms to do that. I don't think we do, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. See the other sports or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything? Is there anything else that you want to cover? Or, like, I mean, we kind of went in. I'm trying to Shit. look at my notes here. Check out my. Oh, notes. you're in charge. Look how professional I am, Rob. Actually, that's what I was gonna start the podcast off with. I was gonna ask you if you had any tips or like if you could help me any advice for my interviews or anything I could do to improve. Um. No, I mean. Like we, what we got into earlier, I think it's, this is just me. I've had other writers like actually tell me they disagree with me on this one. But I, like I said earlier, I sit back and I watch what everyone does and I purposely try to not do it. Yeah. Like, like, so if someone already asks, uh, Nija about whatever, if, if he's coming on my show a couple months later, I'm like not going to ask him the same shit that was in the Transworld interview, you know? Yeah. And I've had people argue with me and say, like, that's irrelevant. Like, you might be telling your story to a different audience or whatever. And I'm just like, that's fine. Like, but if someone's really into skateboarding or really into a skateboarder, they're going to find every interview with Nigel anyway. Yeah. And they don't want to read the same interview. I grew up reading magazines. Like, I know it was fucking annoying to read every, like, interview with a certain pro and read the same thing, even when I was, like, 17 years old. Yeah. And so I just don't, to me, that's the thing I always tell people is like, again, like we said earlier, like find a way that you can be different. Don't just follow the script of how you think a skateboarding article should be written or how you think a skateboarding interview should go because you're following the example of another person before you. I think really like if you're a skateboarder who gets the opportunity to interview Mike Carroll which is like a miracle, why would you ask him the same shit that everyone before you asked? Yeah, You have, you have 90 minutes with him or less. Yeah. Do something awesome with that time, you know? Yeah, I think they're too concerned with like, yeah, you're just too concerned with like fucking following, it's a job, it's a job, you know, at that point. I don't have advice for you because I think you're doing a cool thing. Like I was saying earlier, like I think you're, I think you're very human. Like, you're very in touch with your emotions, and you've dealt with shit, and you're open about it, which is what I learned about you when you came on the show. Yeah. I was like, this dude, we were talking about your mom and your childhood, and that hadn't happened a lot on the show prior to you being on there. 
And I realized that about you. And then the reaction, the kids in the comments, like really connected to you yeah. because you do that. So I think, I don't think you need a ton of advice. <laughs> well, the one thing I learned. Maybe say podcast a little less. <laughs> Shit, I got to stop doing that now. Um, the one thing I did learn that I thought was really helpful was just to like, I don't know if it came over time or someone said it to me, but it was just like, listen more, like stop talking as much. Cause like when you're, especially, yeah. you know what sucks, Rob, is I really want to do this in a studio because talking to someone in person, like I record these with Skype, a lot of these, and uh, there's a lag sometimes. So some interviews, if they don't have good reception, there's yeah. a lag. So the conver- conversation's a little disconnected because we're like, did you hear me? Did you hear me? You yeah. Know? So like in person it would be even better because there's no lag so you're just there. But, the, but whoever told you that is is very right and I'll I'll expand on that point real quick. Please please please. Um, this is for everyone. This isn't a criticism of you. Um, okay. Listen more, but don't be scared to wait. Like don't be scared of the dead five seconds of airtime because that person might be thinking about something else they want to say. And it's very easy to disrupt your subject and change their train of thought. And and they're about to say something and you cut them off and you're like, hey, what were you going to say? And they could have been about to say something really gnarly and they'll be like, no, don't worry about it. Like, don't be afraid to just listen and then wait. And don't be afraid to – what I see is a lot of people in general don't follow up. Yeah. Like, like it'll be like you'll be talking to some pro and they'll be like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, you know, my dad passed away. And then the next person will be like, so tell me about the video you're filming. And you're like, dude, you just fucking he just told you his dad passed away and you just glazed right past it because you're checking things off a list. Yeah. It's like you're not even paying attention. I notice that's one of the things I do the most is I read interviews and I I'll ask a, if I have the same person coming on the show, I'll ask a follow-up question that I feel was neglected in an interview that I already read. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm like, okay, they asked them about this, but then they didn't even say, like, well, why did that happen that way, or what happened after that, or how did you feel? They just get this one answer, and then they move on to the next. And I, I get it. Not everyone takes as much pride in writing or interviewing as me, you know? Just like I don't take as much pride in photography. Like I shoot a couple photos and I put them on Instagram. I'm sure there's photographers like, yo, why don't you Photoshop it? Why don't you learn to shoot better? Why don't you use a flip? Like it's the same thing, you know? I I can't expect everyone to care about it as much as me. So I probably sound overly serious about it. No, I, I like what I'm into, you know? No, I like it, dude. I agree 100%. And I learned, I learned too that when I listen more, you know, I just gotta, you know, cause when you just, like, you, you nailed it. You said, like, you talk cause the dead space, you're like, you wanna fill in that void or whatever. But when you listen more, you can really, it just leads to questions naturally, you know, and you just follow yeah. the story. You follow the story and then you go, you're a passenger, you're no longer, like, trying to guide it, you know? Yeah, like, stop making it about you, you know? Like, it's yeah. about your guests. Like, yeah. Like, I have a show, like, Whatever ego I have is I'm luck I get to sit there every week and be on the air. Like mm-hmm. like I can't let every episode my ego take over because I want more airtime and I want to yap, you know? Yeah. I've I got fucking I've got Chris Cole sitting there. You know? Like yeah. no one wants to hear from me when Chris Cole's sitting there, you know. They wanna ask him uh probably about if you push Mongo. He used to write for Enjoy, what happened there? Um 
Shit, I could Tell come... us about your identity change. Like, <laughs> I can write the script. I can write the Chris Cole interview script. Oh, yeah, you know? the, the fresh, fresh the hash. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think would be rad? And this is like, I wish all the like contest broadcasters and webcasters would sort of rethink what they're doing. I know they have to um, do it because there's there's certain rules and things they have to do. Yeah. But, but I think there's a lot of like sort of just I don't want to say useless chatter, but it's like it's like a lot and it just fills up the airtime of like dude you're watching the dude tour and and it's no offense to anyone cuz it's part of their job is what they're getting paid for. And I don't even know if there's another way to do it, but it would be really rad. As a skateboarder, it's hard to listen to that stuff and like cuz they're just trying to fill up all that airtime. Well, it'd be red, and I'm gonna say it. If they did a podcast, because then you <laughs> you would know them. You would know. But you can't podcast from the do tour or during a stream. No, week. but Joe Rogan has a podcast, and he's also announcer for UFC. And people actually really like his announcing because they know him because of the podcast because he does whatever he wants on his podcast. It's uncensored and it's his. Oh, so it like balances it out. Yeah, so you actually know the person, so you become a fan. So when they're talking, you can feel the excitement, and you can tell that they're genuinely a fan instead of like. You know, most of the announcers, you hear them, they're mispro- mispronouncing the tricks or saying some corny shit or, or, or just what we were talking about, filling the dead silence because, you know. Well, they're over-explaining things to a non-skate audience, too. They're like, if this is Switch Dance, there's always the explanation of what Switch Dance is, yeah. like, a million times. <laughs> you, you know, you, you could maybe just have faith that the audience will figure it out or, or they already know what it is. Like, like, have some faith in the intelligence of the audience. Yeah, I like that. Oh, damn, that was a perfect way to say that. Um, I guess I want to wrap it up just with a last question. Is Tony Hawk's signature on your paychecks? Um, Not anymore. Oh, damn, that would be cool. I'd frame everyone, photocopy them. I had him sign, because um, I think, well, Ride Channel got acquired by Complex. Sick. So I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know. I'd have to look. But I had Tony Hawk sign the, the cover of, Whenever one of my favorite pros or like a legendary pro comes on the show, um, I bring. If they had a Big Brother cover, I bring. I have every Big Brother. It's my favorite thing. Yes. So, so I bring the Big Brother cover for them to sign. So I had like Tony sign his Big Brother cover where it had the question: If the Bones Brigade ever gate off? Oh yeah. And I had <laughs> Daniel Castillo sign his cover, and I had Guy Mariano sign a blind ad from like issue number three. Yeah. That's like the one thing I do. I have the cereal box, and I'm gonna have Tim Gavin sign it when he comes back on. Like, <laughs> so I have Tony's autograph. I'm not above asking for an autograph. Mike Carroll autographed some Plan B stickers for me, like vintage Plan B stickers. Dude, I have autographs all day. I got a Danny. I got a PJ Ladd board signed by Danny Way. Uh, Zara uh-huh. signed one. I got a Jordan Hoffart on my wall. Um, Dude, Jordan's part in that video, that new part with that frontside flip at the end. Is it on? Is it online right now? Yeah, sick. Amazing. You know what else is sick? The LRG video. Oh, I, dude, you know what I saw today? I was looking at someone, maybe Kyle. Does Kyle work for LRG? Kyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at. I think it was his Instagram. He posted the dates and how many places they were showing the video, and it was like, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I I watched the premiere. So it was a uh, Wednesday night, maybe. And I have to say. I cannot get Carlos Ribeiro's part out of my head. Like, I need to see it again because I it was so fucking good. Damn, see. And, like, I don't know when the video comes out, but anyone that made it this far into this podcast, like, wait till you see this guy's part. And McClung, too. That one. 
Not that I underestimated him as a skater, but which which he, one? Because there's three of them. Which one? Trent is it Trent or Trevor? That's it's Trent is on uh, LRG. Okay, yeah. His part was like I didn't expect that. Like he's really came into his own in that video. You can tell they're all so good at skateboarding. So I can only imagine. Imagine you have three be- two best friends to skate with your whole life. Yeah. Like you better be good. Yeah, <laughs> damn right. <laughs> like Especially you're living with. You're living with, like, your skater buds, and they're all fucking good. And brothers are always, like, competitive to some degree, you know? Like, I have a brother. I'm a little competitive with him. <laughs> Sick. Um, I think we covered it all, dude. I mean, Thanks, dude. the thing is, we're going to have to have you come back on again. We'll just give it some time, for sure. Yeah, if nobody, if people actually like it, I'll come oh, back. They, dude, they will. <laughs> people love this shit. It's not, there's not enough of it. That's why I preach so much about the P word. I don't want to say it, but... I just we need more content, like, cause in different types of content, we just need more people to express themselves in life, not just in skateboarding, but in life. It's healthy. You know what I'll say? Can I say something before I go? Please. I want to tell anyone, anyone listening, can hit me up or walk up to me anytime they see me and ask me whatever they want. Like, don't be scared, cause I have resting bitch face or I don't look approachable, cause I'm not that dude. Like, wait, did you say resting bitch face? Yeah, like I don't look. I look angry all the time. I'm aware of this. I've never heard that. Yeah, I'm resting bitch face. That's perfect. Yeah. So like anyone who wants to email me and ask me about going to college or how to be like, I get I get this a lot. So I can imagine that there's more people out there who might be interested and just think like I don't have the time or they're being annoying or whatever. Because that's how I would feel yeah. if I was a kid. I'd be, I'd be shy, you know, for whatever reason. So. I try to reply to everybody on Instagram or answer all the emails through my website or if anybody comes up to me at a wherever they see me and they want to fucking ask advice or talk about fucking maybe they lost their dad or something like I'm totally I love talking to people yeah. skateboarders and people so that's my message to the public no, that's awesome. I, I'm the same way, dude. It's important to hear, have a rapport back and forth, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to give to get, for sure, man. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Oh, Yes, thank you for do you having me. Do you have a dog? No, but I want one. I want a French bulldog. What, Is that gay? No cats? No. Nothing. Mm. Why? I'm just trying to see if you're gay or not. I'm just... <laughs> well, I do. I'm, like, in the market for a French bulldog. Is that gay? I don't know. That's what I was going to wonder. I like, what kind... Of, I got a little miniature wiener dog. Like, a, his name's Elwood. And he's he could be considered gay himself because he's so damn handsome and just, like, proper. <laughs> I do do a lot of gay stuff. Like, if you see how organized my closet is or, like, if you see me shopping at, like, Banana Republic and J. Crew and stuff... Yeah, like if like, you see me holding hands, skipping down the road, the guy. I've had, I actually really admire this. I've bumped into kids at like street leagues or whatever, and they're like, "Hey, are you really gay?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not gay, but like, it's cool that you asked me instead of like, like just talking about it on the internet." Yeah, I think that's way cool because it's always a weird thing to want to ask someone, but I don't think it's a bad thing, you know? It shouldn't know. be. Yeah, not at all. I, had a, I saw a tweet. I crack up at this. I have a screenshot of it in my phone, and I, I scroll through it sometimes when I'm looking for shit. There's a tweet. It said, shout out to Rob Brink for being an openly gay skater. <laughs> like, dead serious tweet, though. Like, the dude was giving me props. <laughs> Did you send back the rainbow with, like, a pound fist or something? <laughs> I don't know. I definitely retweeted it and, like, left a, like added a comment. But I don't remember. It was a couple years ago. Well, you remember, I, I don't. I think I told it maybe on your show, I was, like, the seventh best black skateboarder. 
Yeah, you are, right? Yeah, yeah, I was like on some website, seventh best black skateboarder. What it is you can get. That's awesome. I thought it was kind of like, I was like, how do you mix that one up? But <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you again, Rob. Yeah. Seriously, this, that was so fun. Thank this you. has been a pleasure, man, for real. I'm flattered that you wanted me on here. No, yeah, and keep creating awesome skateboard stuff because I watch and listen and I'm, I'm paying attention. All right, man. Thank you. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time.